Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. This past December, there was a series of tornadoes that swept across the Mid-South region of the United States, and they killed dozens of people. Millions of dollars in property were were destroyed. And almost immediately, we had politicians coming out saying that this was a result of climate change. And this really is just a a recurring refrain that we hear in the news. There will be some sort of natural disaster, and then we'll have people in the media or left-leaning politicians who will make the charge that climate change is the culprit and we must take immediate action. So my, the question is, does the Bible have anything to say about climate change or does it offer ha- any guidance for how Christians should respond to this particular issue? The Bible doesn't speak specifically about climate change in the sense that you're discussing. However, I would say in Genesis chapter one and chapter two, we do find that God created human beings to be stewards of this earth. Even before sin, God put Adam in the Garden of Eden and told him to tend it, to take care of it. So actually work is not a bad thing. It precedes sin. Now, the toil and the suffering um, and the penalty of sin that's now associated with work does come after the fall. But the principle of taking care of God's creation uh, and being a steward of God's creation and working to to uh, tend it, that is biblical. That is God's plan. So I think in the general sense, yes, we Christians should be interested in the care of the earth, ecology, plants, animals, maybe much more than we should, than we have been in the past. Many times we think, well, the Lord's coming and you know, we'll go into the millennial kingdom, the new heaven, new earth, so we don't care about present earth. Well, that's not the way we live our lives, and that shouldn't be the way we treat the earth. So I think we should be good stewards. I think we are, when we talk about taking dominion, it's not meant to be in a dictatorial or harsh or exploitive way, but yes, we, we have oversight of God's natural creation here on earth of the plants and animals. And so we should do our part to treat them. And we even use the word humanely in in treating animals like a human should in a responsible way, a care caring way. Now, what about global warming? Well, from a scientific point of view, the first question is, is there really global warming? There's debate about that. Uh, I think most scientists say yes. But in the big scheme of things, those same scientists will say, well, um, a few thousand years ago, there was the Ice Age, which is much more, uh, you know, arduous than what we experience now. They, they say, and there's plenty of evidence, glaciers came down in the northern half of the United States. Um, and so there's been drastic climate change, certainly. For sure. Uh, that didn't have anything to do with humans. Uh, there was the medieval warm period, and there was the little ice age after that, which that didn't have anything to do with humans. So that's the first thing. Is there global warming? Well, probably so, but it could be within the range of natural occurrences. Now, the second question is, is it caused by humans? Because the idea is that uh, 
with our production of greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, other methane, other gases that tend to hold uh, temperature in our atmosphere and on the earth. Uh, so are we the cause of global warming? And again, most scientists would say yes. And uh, that that is a little more controversial. I think when it comes to a hurricane or tornado, it's really irresponsible of politicians to try to claim that to global warming because, first of all, um, it's hard to say a climate change is related to a specific event. There may be some cause of making it more um, violent or volatile. But just to take an example, the recent tornadoes you spoke of, I think they're called E5. Well, it's been eight years since the U.S. experienced that kind of tornado. So if global warming is really the cause of it, well, you mean we went eight years? So I guess uh, there must have been global cooling or global warming didn't do much. And then suddenly it zapped us. The same way with hurricanes. Whenever there's two or three hurricanes, they say, well, it's global warming. And then you go several years without a major hurricane hitting the U.S., well, they ignored that. So I think it's pretty irresponsible to try to do that. Now, it could be that they're increasing in intensity, but uh, to a major extent, our population has increased dramatically and our population in vulnerable areas. And when you talk about hurricanes on the coast has increased dramatically. So a lot of the damage is due because we have more population and more built up areas um, that in years past would have been devastated, but there was no people or few people or no infrastructure or few buildings. And so, uh, for example, one of the most devastating earthquakes in American history happened in the early 1800s in the St. Louis area. So bad it caused the Mississippi River to flow backward. But nobody knows about it. Why? Because hardly anybody lived there and there were no structures there. So it caused minimal death or damage. Although if it happened today, and very few people know this, but I've actually experienced an earthquake here in St. Louis. It was minor, but I felt it. Uh, and if that, if that same earthquake happened today, it would be an unprecedented national disaster. But of course, it wouldn't be associated with global warming. Uh, so anyway, uh, having said all that, so there's a question, is there global warming? So for, the, for our purposes, let's say yes. Uh, is it caused by human activity? For our purposes, okay, let's say yes, because that's what the majority of scientists say. But then there's a third question. What are we supposed to do about it? And here's where I have my real problem with a lot of the discussion, because the proposed solutions uh, would only would do little or nothing to actually change what they're alleging as global warming. For example, here in the United States, uh, we're one of the major producers, producers of greenhouse gases, but even greater is China and also very significant, Russia and India. Those three countries have not committed to any kind of significant action compared to what people in the U.S. are saying should be done. So even if the U.S. totally shut down its economy completely, 100%, without the cooperation of China, India, and Russia, which they have not promised to cooperate, our actions would do no good. So all of this political maneuvering seems to be more in the way of virtue signaling or attempt to gain, gain political control because their solution actually won't do any good. And even if those other nations cooperated, the kind of actions we're talking about will only marginally make a difference. So here's the problem. 
the advocates of radical change, it seems like they want to control the whole economy. And it seems like they have a, a they want governmental control. And there's what I call the law of unintended consequences. When you give great government control on paper, it sounds very good. But in the real world, there is no human being or there's no elite group of humans who are capable of managing the world economy. That's what we prove with communism and socialism. It can't be done. The market, which is composed of decisions of millions and billions of people, is far more efficient in allocating resources and solving problems. Government can help along the way, but government can't be the solution. The market has to be the solution. So if you want to impose costs to the market to reflect the real cost of pollution, fine. But then let the market figure out how to innovate, create new technologies and allocate resources. So I'm all for green energy. I'm all for conservation. Uh, I do recycling at home. I'm all for, you know, electrical cars, although that just displaces the problem to the factories that generate electricity don't really solve the problem. Um, and But I'm all for any kind of technology, wind and solar power, nuclear technology, which is interesting because if you really relied on nuclear technology, that would eliminate your global warming. But the same people that want us to take drastic action, most of them also hate nuclear energy. So they take that off the table which shows that there's, it's more about politics than purely a scientific solution. So when you, when you look at the law of unintended consequences, when you put government control, first of all, government can't find the solutions without private enterprise and capitalism and in innovation in inventors who are motivated by economic incentives. Second of all, there's drastic government inefficiencies. So you waste a huge amount of resources when you give everything to the government and the government gives it back to you. There's a lot lost in the process. And then there's government favoritism that when the government picks and chooses who to subsidize, then they pick political cronies. They pick people who are not necessarily on the cutting edge of technology, but are on the cutting edge of political <laughs> manipulation. And so many times the, the billions of dollars that government spends are spent very inefficiently. Um, and so my point is, even if you say, yes, let's do something about global warming, we have to be careful not to empower the government excessively to focus on market solutions. And here's what's interesting. I looked this up because, and I was even surprised, U.S. greenhouse gas emissions have been in decline for the last number of years. Now, in 2020, it was declined, they said, because of COVID shutdowns things. But even in 2021, that trend is continuing. We are now back. The U.S. is now back to the level of the 1970s in greenhouse gas emissions. And that's considering there's been a 50 percent increase in population since that time. It wasn't the government action. It was industries finding more efficient ways, the internal combustion engine and gasoline and natural gas and nuclear energy. So with, without the government doing anything, the economy itself, despite a 50 percent increase in population, has gone back to 50 years ago greenhouse gas emissions. That lets me know whatever solutions we want, it needs to be a collaborative effort that doesn't crush the economy and doesn't impose drastic government controls. 
but is a partnership of all of us that allows the energy sector and the um, the various industries and our economy to continue to grow and to be healthy and to give appropriate input. And I think if we all work together with respect for private enterprise, then we can create a better environment overall without these drastic unintended consequences. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.